had come in this morning and found out that Justin was leading worship, a great thing. Jeff's preaching, kind of short change. But here's the deal. <laughs> um, I generally don't preach over more than about 20, 25 minutes. Um, so. <laughs> okay, so stick with me. <laughs> no, I tend to lie a lot, too. So. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about growth and kind of how that, how that affects us as a church. And what that means to us as Christ followers as we grow. And, uh, and kind of to kick things off, I have to tell on myself just a little bit. And you'll find out on pretty much how unspiritual I am uh, throughout the course of this story. But whenever oh, Josh and Lindsay, our oldest two, see, Lindsay was probably four. Uh, Josh was probably about two. Um, I was always a sucker for the roadside uh, tourist trap kind of things. And we had gone to Branson. We were on our way back to Oklahoma from Branson, coming through Eureka Springs. And you can't drive through there at all without seeing about 10 or 20 different caves that you can go in. And anybody else ever get suckered into one of those caves? Yeah. Well, so we hit them all. You know, I loved them. I, I, kind of, I enjoyed that kind of thing. It was, I don't know what it was about it, but I thought it was cool. And so we found this one uh, in Eureka Springs. I'd never seen it before, never seen a sign. We were driving along. Saw the sign and thought, okay, well, this would be a good place for us to stop and kind of stretch, and we'll, we'll look around here a little bit. I won't tell you the name of it, because I, I told this story one time, and it turned out that somebody in the audience knew the person who ran that cave, and it wasn't a very good deal. So, uh, so I'm not going to tell you which cave it was. You can find out for yourself. Um, but we were, uh, all four of us were in there, thought, okay, we've been on these cave trips before. It's a guided thing. You know, they take you in. They tell you all about all this stuff and uh, tell you what to look for. Well, this one wasn't one of those kind of trips. This was a self-guided uh, cave tour. And so I'm not a very good guide, even though I've been on a bunch of them, but you put on these headsets, and so here's the four of us. It's Mickey and I, and then the two, we can call them the bigs now, since we have the littles, uh, but our two big kids. And so we've all got the headsets on, we're wandering back through there, noticing that there's drop-offs along the sides, you know, uh, there's, there's some rails, some chains, and those kind of things, but there's a lot of drop-offs as you're walking down through there. That's really comforting on a self-guided tour. But we're kind of walking through there. We notice these things. We get all the way to the back, and we figure out, okay, there's one way in, one way out. You just double back around through the cave, which that's, okay, that, that's fine and dandy. We're back in the very back room of the cave, as far back in as you can go. And we're looking at the things. There's like a, a black light that you can see some of the things kind of glow on and everything. That's cool. We're listening to our headsets. And all of a sudden, everything goes dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was something I thought too. Um, well, let me back up. A few minutes prior to that, Josh, who was at the time about two, decided that he really needed to go to the bathroom. And if you've been in one of these caves, you know that there are no restrooms in these caves. And so, Lindsay and Josh, or no, Mickey and Josh, had started back towards the front of the cave, and they were they were making their way up towards the entrance so they can go into the gift shop and find a restroom there and all that stuff. So, uh, we're separated at this point. Lindsay and I have stayed behind. We're looking at things. And the lights are out. The headsets go dead. Everything goes off. Um, that is the darkest dark and the blackest black I've ever seen in my life. And we're trying to holler back and forth because uh, Nikki and Josh, they are somewhere else in the cave, a little bit closer to the front. But not, they haven't made it to the front yet. And Lindsay and I, we're back here in the back. Still, you know, we were checking things out. So we can kind of hear each other, 
but if you ever yelled in a cave, you know it echoes a lot, and it's hard to hear what's going on. So we're trying to communicate back and forth. I'm wanting to make sure that they're okay because we've seen these drop-offs along the side and all these different things. And so we're, we're trying to yell back and forth, and you know, Josh still has to go to the bathroom, and it's you know, it's, it's all these things are going on. And here's the part where you know where Dad gets really super spiritual. Um, you know, I try. I'm, I'm a fixer. Dad, we're fixers. Um, th and this kind of dates me just a little bit, but uh, I had a pager. Um, <laughs> so that kind of dates it just a little bit. That tells you, you know, this is, you know, 1995, 96, 97, somewhere in there when pagers were all the rage. Okay, well, it's dark in here. Have you ever seen the light on one of those pagers? It's pretty pitiful. It's pretty bad. But, okay, so the lights are out, and Dad pulls out his pager. I'm trying to calm, you know, everything's going to be okay. I get my little light on my pager. I can't even see the wall that I can feel. And so, <laughs> I mean, that light does absolutely no good. I remember, okay, well, there's all these drop-offs. I don't think this light's going to help. I'm just, I'm just trying to put things together. We're yelling back and forth. And all of a sudden, Lindsay, in all of her four-year-old wisdom, she says, I think we should pray. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, my pager light's not going to work. It's not going to open up. You know, we're not going to be able to get out of that. So we might as well go ahead and pray. There's nothing else left to do. And so we pray. I let her pray. And, uh, you know, she just prays a real simple prayer as a four-year-old. You know, she prays, God, we're scared. And we need the lights to come back on. I know this sounds like a preacher's word, but the lights came back on. Um, and it was what the story behind that was was that the workers had forgotten this family had gone into the cave on the tour and they had left for lunch. And they turned off all the electricity to everything as they walked up the front. And when they got out to the parking lot and saw our minivan out there, they thought, oh no, there's still some people in that cave. And so we were in there and so they came back. It seemed like it was a couple hours later. It could probably only just a few minutes, but um, that was a long time in the dark. And uh, a long time for me trying to be the hero, trying to be the dad, you know. God did some humbling things um, during time. You know, God sometimes has to bring us to the end of ourselves and to humble us before we can grow through, before we can grow to the next level. You know, God has to show us some things about ourselves, show us, show us our weaknesses, and that's not always a comfortable place to be. It's not always, I mean, we don't want to hear about our weaknesses. We don't celebrate our weaknesses, we celebrate our strengths. But... God showed me a little bit more about myself in the cave. You know, that I can try to do all these things. I can try to be the fixer. That he's the fixer. God is the fixer. And we don't, we don't know that until we grow to that point. That we recognize him as the fixer, as our God. And so, um, that's kind of where we end up this morning. And I want to talk to us a little bit about, about why growth is important. Um, growth is important... For, for a lot of different reasons. But God, when he designed us, he designed us to grow. Thank goodness. Because if, he, if we did not grow, we would live in a world full of infants. And uh, I think I've got a terrifying slide. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, you think, okay, he's got four kids. He must really like kids. Not really. You know, um, they're okay, but I'm on a case-by-case -case basis. So, you know, um, I've got four. I, I, I tolerate them and everybody else. Your kids are fine, but they're on a case-by-case -case basis. <laughs> I'm just being real. You know? um, so when something is born, when something is planted, it's expected to grow. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, that's where we end up as, as Christ followers, as people. As, as human beings, we're expected to grow. Otherwise, we end up in a world looking like that. 
But uh, so this morning we're going to take a look at um, a passage of scripture from uh, from John. This is Jesus is talking to the to his disciples, and they're talking about. We've heard this story a lot of different times. Um, talking about the vine and the branches, and we're going to talk about that this morning. How that relates to us, and as far as growth goes, and what that looks like for us as believers. That may be a little bit hard uh, hard to read. I'm going to I'm also going to be reading it. I'm going to read it from a little bit different translation. This is one, um, so you can read with the screen. You can read with your particular translation. You can just sit back and, and listen. Um, listen to these passages of Scripture. But uh, this is what God would, would have us to, to learn from this verse. Starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by this by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Then he comes back and he restates it. He says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you say you've joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask and request uh, request you like, and it will be given, it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to the Father. So we've read this passage of scripture a lot. I, I've heard it a lot throughout my life. I am no, I'm not a gardener, um, so, so the whole planting, growing, watering, all these things, I, I know nothing about that except what I, what I learned here. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't even kill weeds. So, uh, so you know, I'm bringing you this morning as, as, as God has revealed it to us, as God teaches us, as He's brought this to His disciples and He's talking to them and He's explaining it to them. I want us to walk away this morning recognizing that uh, that we are to grow. God is divine. We are the branches. And what that means to the Christ follower. So the, the vine produces the branches, everything that they need to grow and produce fruit. Uh, all the nutrients, everything comes through the vine, out to the branches. The branches grow, produce fruit, get bigger. And then if they produce fruit, then the gardener prunes them back so that they can produce even more fruit. So, um, you know, if you're a gardener, that makes more sense to you than the rest of us. But, uh, you know, God does, he wants us to grow. We're expected to grow in that. If the branches attempt to control the direction of the vine, what do you think is going to happen to that vine? The vine's not going to, it's not going to grow. It's not, nothing's going to happen. It's, uh, the branches were never designed to control the direction of the vine. The vine is the one who leads. The vine is the one who supplies. The branches are there to receive, to grow, and to produce. We were never designed to try to control the vine. And that's one of the things that's hard for us to get through our heads sometimes, is that Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, I'm the one who gives you what you need to grow. It's your job to grow. That's, that's your one job, is to grow and produce fruit. Now, okay, what does it mean to bear fruit? You know, we talk about fruit, and a lot of times, you know, I, it depends on the church you grew up in, the emphasis of it, or the... The speaker at the time, a lot of people will say, well, automatically that just means um, getting people to come to know Christ. Well, that, that's 
part of it. That's kind of a, a byproduct of, of the production of food. And so we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But first, I want us to look at what does it mean to, to bear fruit? What is this fruit that he's talking about? Is it literal fruit? You know, uh, what is it? And so um, there's another place in, in, the, in the Bible that talks about bearing fruit. Anybody want to shout out with, like something of the Spirit? Yeah, okay. Wow. <laughs> kind of dragging it out of you here, all right? Um, so, you know, we're talking a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit. So let's, I want us to look at those this morning from Galatians. And so those are going to be on, on the screen. We're going to talk about them a little bit, just one at a time. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, though, let's, let's just pull up the next slide with the, with the fruit on it. Love. Love is the, the first fruit of the Spirit. And, okay, the fruit of the Spirit... If a vine is producing fruit, it, pro it proves that there's life in that branch, that it's alive and well. So if we are producing fruit, if these things are evident in our lives, what it shows is that God's Spirit is alive and at work in us. And so as we go down through this list, this is a time for us to take inventory and to look at each one of these things and say, okay, is this something that others would say is evident in my life? Is this something that's in my life that shows that God is at work in my life? And so... At love. Let's look at that one first. The best definition, the best description of love that we can find is in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You hear this at probably every wedding that you go to. But there's probably not a better description of love than what is given to us here. But in uh, verse 13, we're going to look at, or chapter 13, I'll read verses 4 through 7. And you can probably recite it with me. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it is in wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So, okay. How are we doing as far as taking inventory there? I mean, we're on that first one. I mean, all of these things, love is patient, love is kind, love uh, does not envy, does, does not wish wrong on anybody, but rejoices when truth wins out. Okay, we need to be looking at these things, okay, is love evident in our lives? We talk about love and we think, okay, that's the husband and wife, mushy-gushy, huggy-kissy kind of love. But when we get down to it, what love really is, God's description of love for us, how are we doing? How are we doing on that scorecard? Uh, how is our love for one another? Are we patient? Are we kind? Do we hope the best for one another? When something goes wrong for somebody else, do you kind of get down inside and you're like, <laughs> uh, I do. I admit, I mean, that happens. It happens, you know? When, uh, so, I mean, we're never going to be perfect at this. But how are we doing so far on love? Well, let's go to the next one. Joy. Regardless of circumstances, we are to be people marked by spirit-generated joy. What is spirit-generated joy? I think that's, a, you know, we sing it as kids. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay? Um, we talk about the joy of the Lord being in our, in our hearts, being evident in our lives. We talk about being joyful and 
Yet some of us walk through life like we're just sucking lemons. You know? Is joy, is it evident in our lives? Do we show forth the kind of joy that would tell people that the love of God, the joy of the Lord, is alive in our life? Do we show that to other people? Do we have that fruit, brethren? Let's go to the next one. Peace. Bringing people together in harmony and unity. Easier said than done. Um, harmony and unity sound great. Sound very 60s, 70s. You know, everybody wanted peace, love, unity, all these things. Um, but how are we doing at living at peace with one another? How are we doing at living in harmony with one another? How are we doing at living in unity with one another? I would say that a lot of ways, you know, looking at, at our church, looking at a community church, you have a lot of different backgrounds represented. And so sometimes whenever you bring a lot of different backgrounds together, you have a lot of, a lot of struggle because you have a lot of different ideas, a lot of different upbring, upbringings, um, a lot of different philosophies on how things should be done. Here, I think we're blessed. We don't have a lot of that. We have a lot of, we, we do have peace and harmony. But how is that in your life? How are you do, How are you at peace with others? How are you at being harmonious with others? People you see every day, family members that you, that you wake up and see, how are you doing? How am I doing? I'm not doing very well, I'll be honest. Um, there are days that I, I'm not, I don't just breed unity, you know. There's, a, there's days that that just doesn't happen, you know. And so, and I think we all have those days. But overall, how are we doing as far as unity and harmony and that being evident in our lives? Let's go over there. There's a patience. Oh. Can't we even just skip this one, right? This isn't one of the fruit of the Spirit that, that we really have to follow. No, it is. It is. You know, if you pray for patience, what do you get? You, you get to work through that. <laughs> you're going to learn patience one way or another. You're going to sign up for that course until you learn it. And, uh, but patience, let's equal that out to grace. How, how much grace do we extend one another? How patient are we with one another? How, how much grace do we extend our kids? How much grace do we extend our co-workers? How much grace do we extend to those people that we don't even know that we come in contact with every day? How are we doing there? How patient are we with people? How patient are we with God? Is that a fruit that is evident in our lives? Is it, a, is it something that people would look at and say, okay, I see that in their life, and that shows me, that tells me that God is at work and alive in their life. Kindness, an active expression of showing mercy and helpful service to others. I don't have the gift of mercy, and some of, you, some of the others may not either. I just tell people, you know, my two primary spiritual gifts are criticism and sarcasm. Uh, I realize those aren't spiritual gifts, but, um, but mercy is probably not really high on one of my, one of my giftings. But does that mean that I'm exempt? Does that mean that I am free to not show mercy? No, not at all. 
I'm still just as commanded to show mercy towards those who are in need of mercy than anyone else. Even as someone who has the gift of mercy. And to be helpful, be helpful in service to others. You know, even if even if you don't like them. You know? Um, to be helpful and to serve them. You know, I, I've spent, um, my background is, is pretty pretty broad. I've done a lot of things uh, throughout my 44 years. One of them, uh, most recently, is I, I'm a nurse. One of the things that I do, uh, that's just one of the layers. Um, and you would think, okay, a nurse and no mercy. Um, but it worked for me, okay? Um, so, or that was something that God did through me. You know, that wasn't necessarily my strong suit, but God did that through me. God grew me to the point where I could show mercy, where I could be helpful to others, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how I felt, regardless of what I thought. Whether I thought that was, you know, important for me to do or not, there were times that it was important to show kindness. How are you doing with showing kindness? Is that something that people would look at you and say, I see that in them. And that shows me that, that the Spirit of God is alive and well in their lives. Because they, they, they're showing kindness. Let's look at the next one. Goodness. Prompted by the Spirit, believers seek to do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. We read that in Galatians. To do good to everyone. This kind of goes back to kindness. Uh, but prompted by the Spirit to, uh, to do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. You know, I look at our, our homes, our families. Sometimes our families see the worst in us. And they're the last ones that we show goodness to sometimes. Um, because they see, they see us day in, day out. And sometimes it is a little bit harder to show goodness towards our family because we know them well. And they know us well. But we are called to do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. That is to look around and say, okay, how can I, what, what are some needs I can meet? Look around and say, okay, how can I, how can I serve? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I bless you? And just and constantly, you know, just be looking for those opportunities and how we can bless and serve. So how are we doing at showing goodness? Is somebody able to look at you and they see this attribute in you and it is so healthy and so strong that they're able to say, that person has the Spirit of God alive and living in them. How are we doing? Look at the next one. Gentleness. Humility and considerateness towards others. And I think that's something that we see less and less and less in our culture. Not just in our culture here, but in our culture generally. And we see it it's in churches as well. Humility. Man, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. And I talked about that early on. You know, God had to bring me to the point where I was at the end of myself. But I had to get to the end of myself and realize that, that I wasn't in control of it. I had to be humbled to the point that I could allow God to teach me. 
Sometimes we come to the end of ourselves and God would teach us gentleness, considerateness. Maybe those that we wouldn't have been considerate to before. Maybe some that we would have been completely intolerant to before. God will grow us to the point that we demonstrate gentleness in our, in our lives. And it's something that people can look at us and see that the Spirit of God is alive. And alive. Uh, let's look at the next one. Self-control. I don't like this one. Um, can you pull this back just a little bit? It's still pretty ringy up here. I think I'm mean, right under the speaker. So. Uh, Self-control. Mastery over one's desires and passions. Man, it's easy to get wrapped up in our own desires and to be led by our own desires and our own passions. How often are we just willing and excited to surrender to someone else our desires and our passions. You know, self-control can really, the best explanation of it that I can come up with is giving yourself over to God for him to control. It's really taking self out of it altogether and letting God control. And so, um, how are we doing with self-control? How are we doing with giving in to um, our desires and passions? Would somebody take a look at you and say, okay, that person... They, man, they have self-control. They've, they've, they've given everything over. They, they seek after God. They seek after God's own heart in everything that they do. They've given up trying to control things themselves. If someone was to look at you or at me, is that something that they would look at and say, yeah, that's, you know, I, I see that in them, and that's, that would be proof that, that God is alive and well and, and living in our heart. So we look at these, we look at these fruits of the spirit, or the fruit of the spirit. They're plural. There's several things, but we need to turn around and apply that to to our lives. So, like we we, we talked about, um, we talked about what each one of them mean. But how do we get to the point where we grow to the point? Or able to produce fruit, or we're producing fruit. We grow to that point. It's not something that just automatically happens. It's something that we grow towards. And how do we do that? How do we grow? You know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that we grow. And we're and talking about growth as our you know our focus for this morning. Um, God is the one who grows us. In verse five, He says, "If you remain in Me, and I remain in you, we, we we're together. We're unified in this. You will bear much." And so God is the one who grows us. It's, it's him in us that grows us to the point that we produce this fruit. You know, if you look, look at the words remain, some of the translations may say abide. You know, that means to, to be with, to draw close to, to, to follow. Um, and so he wants us to draw close to him, to abide with him, to follow him, to get to know him. And that, you know, that's one of the ways that we grow towards uh, producing fruit. If you want to learn how to do something, or you go to an expert or to YouTube. I go to YouTube. I, I learn how to do a lot of different things there. And sometimes I have to hit four or five videos on YouTube before they're actually the right ones. Uh, funny story, we were doing worship for a, a memorial service for Gloria's, Gloria's father. And we were doing some of the 
those songs in Spanish. And people came up afterwards and they're like, I did not know that you could speak Spanish. I, I said, I can't. I watch YouTube. And, uh, and so, that's what, so I went to YouTube. I went to be expert to learn how to do things. If you want to learn how to grow, if you want to learn how to be healthy, you're going to go to a gardener. You're going to go to somebody who knows something about these things. And in, in the opening passage of that scripture, he says, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. And so in order to grow, you want to, you want to find out how to grow, you want to find out the, the tips, the tricks on how to grow, you go to the gardener, you go to the expert, you go to the one who knows everything about it. And so that's why he called, he called us to draw close, to draw near. Back in the, it's probably the late 1980s, early 1990s, there was a Bible study called Experiencing God. Probably a lot of you have been through it or you've heard of it. Um, one of the things that, one of the takeaways from experiencing God that I took away from that was that God speaks to us in several different ways. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through his people. And God speaks to us through circumstances. And so I think, I believe that God uses all three of those things to grow us. God is the one who grows us. God is the one who brings us to the point that we are able to grow to the point that we are producing fruit. I believe that God does that maybe in one or all of those ways. Spending time in his word. Spending time meditating on his word. That's drawing near. That's abiding in. That's spending time with God. Reading his story to us. His instructions for us. That's one of the ways that he speaks to us. Maybe, maybe it's a, a good Bible study where someone else is leading it. Maybe it's, it, you know, maybe it's something that's said here on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or another time of Bible study, something that somebody else has brought up, and that's, that helps you to grow. That pushes you along to the point where you're able to grow to the point where you can produce fruit. Or maybe it's through circumstances. You know, you know like uh, the story of the cave, that's, that's an absolute true story, and that, that really did change my life in a lot of ways. Uh, he uses circumstances to teach us to depend on him. Sometimes, so that we can grow. If we're not depending on Him, then we, you know we may not be growing a whole lot. So, those who listen to the voice of the gardener, who is God, and do what He says, those those branches will be healthy. Those are the ones that you'll see producing fruit. Those are the ones that you'll look at and you'll be able to say, "Okay, I see God alive and at work in their lives. I see that fruit there." <laughs> So we, t we said, we, you know, that's that's really where I believe Jesus was talking to the disciples. But let's take it to a different, a little different place. What about in in physical growth, in church growth? That was kind of personal growth. But what about in church growth? It's kind of a it's kind of a given. It's kind of a no brainer that whenever these things are evident in our lives, when people look at our lives and they see this fruit and it's healthy. It's attractive. You know, have you ever seen a piece of fruit and thought, man, that just looks so good, it makes your mouth water? Somebody brought us some peaches a couple weeks ago, and my goodness, um, I, I, I almost had to say prayer after each bite. So, uh, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And so it was attractive. It made me want more. And so the fruit that is in your life, these things that we've listed out, as people look at these things in your life, if 
they can see these things there and can tell that God is alive and well in your life, that becomes attractive to people. And it doesn't draw them to you, or it shouldn't. It should draw them to the garment. It should draw them to the one who is growing you, the one who is stretching you, the one who is doing these things in you. And so kind of the growth is a byproduct of our spiritual growth, growth in the church. You show me a church who has people who are on fire and exemplify all of these fruit, all of these different characteristics of God, and I'll show you a church that is on fire and splitting at the seams. You show me a church where, you know, we kind of have, we have one or two of these, these things, and we're doing pretty good, but our, you know, our branches are kind of wilty and our fruit's kind of empty. You show me a church like that, and I'll show you a church that is just, man, they're just keeping the status quo. They're just kind of hanging on. They're keeping the lights on, keeping the doors open, comfortable with where they are. And so as God grows us in this way, stretches us in this way, we, the, the branches grow from the vine, and they, they reach wide. And as the branches reach wide, they, they touch more area, touch more people. He is the vine. We are the branches. As the branches grow, we ought to be reaching and, and touching and covering more territory, covering more ground. That's, you know, in the Great Commission. That's why I said it's kind of a, it's kind of a byproduct of, of what God's done in our lives. But if you look at the Great Commission, let's just go there and... Uh, I don't believe it will be on the screen, but I'll, I'll read it for us here. In Matthew 28, the very final verses of the book. Matthew chapter 28, starting in, uh, in verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. And here he goes with, with our our challenge with our charge. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he gives us that charge. He says, Teach them these things which I have commanded you. So we're to take these things, we're to take these attributes of God that he has shown us, that he has grown us in, and we're to take these to a lost and dying world. And as we do that, as they see these fruit alive and well in our lives, it shows them that God is alive and well and at work in our lives. It's attractive, it draws them to him, and then there's life change that takes place in their life as they are introduced to Christ. So we've been charged here as the branches to go out. Just as Jesus charged the disciples. Chapter 5, or verse 5, there in John says, For with me, without me you can't, you can't do anything. You can't get anything accomplished. And so, there at the end of the Great Commission he says, And I will be with you. So we have the promise that God will go with us. If God is with us, what can we accomplish? Can we? We can grow. We can grow. If God is with us, 
if he's speaking to us, if we're listening, we're being challenged, we're being charged by him, we're going to look different. We're going to live different. We're going to, people are going to look at us and they're not going to say, man, they're a great person. They're going to look at them and say, wow, that's a, that's a great God. Look at all the, look at the way that they exemplify God. Look at the, all the attributes in their life. That's what, that's what I, I want people to, to be able to look at me and say, you know, he serves a great God. And that, that because the way that, that he is teaching us and growing us, we need to be showing that to others. And they should be able to see that alignment well in us. So what happens um, if we decide not to follow the nurturing of the garden? The scripture is very, very clear about that. Those, the, the branches that, that don't produce any fruit, uh, that are just, just kind of withering up and dying, they're cast aside, bundled up, and burned. No evidence of God being alive in those, those branches. I think that's a pretty stern warning to us as Christ followers, to us as the church, not just Houston Church, but the church, capital C, that if we become complacent, and if we become complacent about our growth, if we become complacent about allowing God to grow us, to stretch us in these ways, then that's our fate, is that, we will, that, that we're useless. We're really called to more than just survive. You know, uh, I would say, you know, I've seen, we've, we've bought some, some plants at Lowe's that were on clearance, you know, and they're about half dead. You know, we try to nurse them back to life. And that's, I would say that's one that's just barely surviving. Um, and then, you know, you go and you pay a little bit more and you get those that are thriving. Um, but you can definitely see a difference in something that's just surviving or something that's thriving. And how are we doing in our growth? Are we, are we thriving? Are we growing strong? Do we exemplify all of these things, all these attributes of God? Do people look at us and say, okay, that person serves a mighty, powerful God, and I want to serve that God too? Or do they look at us and say, man, that person serves kind of a wimpy God. I don't think I want that. Um, they're not very happy. They say they, they say they believe in God, but they look like they just sucked a lemon. You know? Are we thriving, or are we just surviving? I believe that God has called us to so much more than that, so much more than just getting by. You know, if I were in a band called Switchfoot, that would be a great song that I would write. <laughs> it's already been done, if you, if you didn't write it. Um, you know, some of you, this may not make any sense at all. I mean, and so we'll just break it down. We're wrapping up here. Um, God is divine. We are the branches. We have, to put, we have to recognize who we are in light of who he is. And so this morning, if it doesn't make any sense to you, I want you to take one thing with you this morning. Uh, without God, you can do nothing. You need to be connected to the vine. A branch on its own, sitting over on its side, is worthless, useless. When it's connected to the vine, it becomes a value. It becomes... A, a growing, living, vibrant thing. 
And so this morning, maybe what you take away from this is that you need to be connected to the vine. Maybe you've been, you've been trying to do all the right things, been trying to put your life together, been trying to look in the right directions, you know, trying to make yourself look good, and you've been trying it all on your own, been trying to, to, to control the situation, when really you need to let go of control of the situation and connect yourself to the vine who is God and allow him to grow in you. Allow him to give you what you need to grow. Bottom line, and this is kind of harsh, you can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. Let me read that again and let it sink in just a little bit. You can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. We try to control our lives. We try to control every area of our lives. And we wonder, why am I just spinning my wheels? Why am I not going anywhere? Why am I not growing in my work, in my walk with Christ? It's because we're trying to take control. We're trying to control the situation. In the cave, I pulled out my mighty painter light and tried to control the situation. There was no way that I was going to be able to control that much darkness with that little light. Uh, but I was trying to control. I... I was really trying, but God was trying to teach me a lesson through that. He was trying to grow me, trying to stretch me. So this morning, I don't know how hard you've been holding on to things, but I believe this is true. You can have growth, or you can have control, but you cannot have both. So this morning, are you trying to control things? Are you trying to control your own life? Are you trying to control your own spiritual growth? Are you trying to control your own spiritual destiny? Are you trying to control your family? Or are you willing to grow? Are you willing to follow the gardener this morning? Are you willing to tie into the vine and receive all that it has for you so that you're not a useless branch, but you're a vibrant, living, thriving plant, bearing fruit that shows that God is alive and well and at work in your life? That's our question this morning. So are you willing to give up even the things that you think you can handle? Because we think we can handle quite a bit. We think that we can control quite a bit. Are you willing to give those things up this morning? Are you willing to turn these things over to him and allow him to grow you through these things, through giving them up and turning them over to him so that you can be healthy, productive, and bearing fruit? Let me pray for this. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you tell us exactly how to grow in you. You tell us exactly how to draw closer to you. You even hold up a picture and show us what we should look like when we're following you, when we're connected to you. You show us a picture of what it looks like to be thriving in you, not just surviving, but thriving. God, you also show us that without you, we can do nothing. So God, if there are people here in this room this morning that they do not know you, God, I pray that they hear that verse loud and clear. Without you, they can do absolutely nothing. In order to grow, we need to be connected to you. In order to live a life that is thriving, we need to be connected to you. So God, as you draw us closer to you this morning, God, as you draw us to abide in you, to be with you, to follow you, to learn from you, 
Would you speak to us today? Would you speak to our hearts? So, Father, we thank you for showing us how to grow. We thank you for loving us enough to, show, to give us the tools, to give us the picture, to give us the roadmap of how we grow in you. So, Father, I pray that as we, as we leave this place today, that we will examine our hearts, examine our lives. Are we the vibrant Christ followers that we should be? Or are we the withered branches that are useless and need to be gathered up and burned? God, I pray that you would help us to see where we are. And you've given a solution. We don't have to stay useless. We don't have to stay ready to be burned. God, you want to use us. You want all of us to grow. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would draw us close in this time, that you would speak to us, and that you would... Show us even more what it means to abide in you. We ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leave us with just a few thoughts as we walk out the door. First of all, God wants you to grow. Keep that on your hearts and your minds this week. God does plan for you to grow. He desires for you to grow. And so that's his plan for us. God wants us to show that his power is alive and well and at work in our lives as we grow. We were made to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. And finally, you can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. And so this morning as we leave this place, let this challenge stay on your hearts and your minds. We are to grow. God is the vine. We are the branches. We are to remain in him. As you go out these doors, remain in him this week. Abide in him. Draw close to him as you go throughout your week. Let me close this with a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for your presence with us here today. God, we know that you're here. We know that your spirit is here. We thank you for uh, not anything that I have said, but God, for the way that you have spoken through your word. And we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would challenge us and that we would leave here different than the way we were just a few minutes before. That we would strive to be more like you, strive to be closer to you, strive to grow, and strive to thrive. So God, I pray that you would help us to do that as we go from this place today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.